1: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello everybody, and welcome back to The Academic Life, a podcast channel here on New Books Network. I'm Dr. Christina Gessler, one of your co-hosts and co-creators of the channel. Today we're talking to the other co-host and other co-creator of the channel, Dr. Dana Malone. And today we're working on skills for scholars, specifically the hidden emotional curriculum of what you need to know to succeed in grad school. And today's topic is finding your people. And Dana is someone who I was drawn to pretty quickly because she's so good at finding her people and knowing when she's found her people. So thank you for doing this today, Dana. You're welcome. Thanks for asking. I love this topic. So we have been doing this show for a year now. It'll air a little bit after our first anniversary, and this is our 71st uh, episode. So rather than do the customary introducing ourselves in detail, we'll go ahead and link our information as hosts, and we'll go ahead and dive right in. So, Dina, what do we mean when we say you need to find your people? Well, I've
0: been I've been kind of thinking about this topic, and I'll just... Um before we get too far into the conversation I'll let people know that I was excited to start thinking about this um, and as an episode because this is a topic um, that I've been thinking more about in the last year because I've been doing some uh, presentations with a a dear friend and coworker, um, colleague, um, around this idea of finding your people in the field. Um, and so when Christina and I were, when you and I were talking about it, Sam, I thought, Oh, this is really great. And then, you know, you proposed it as a, as a topic for this episode. So I've been trying to think about this even more like formally, um, of what does this mean? I have used this phrase, finding your people or your people or my people. I've used this for years and years, um, with my friend and and colleague, um, he and I talk about that a lot. We'll, we'll meet people sometimes and be like, oh, I think there's one of our people. Um, so for me, I, as I've kind of been really trying to break this down in my mind of what does this really mean for me? Um, at its core for me, it's about connection. Um, it's some really genuine human level connection that I have with someone else, um, it's for it's you know when I feel like I found someone or I may have found someone um, that might be a per- one of my people, um, a person, one of my you know people that I consider one of my um, like a person who might be one of my people is it's that we re- that I resonate with them at a deeper level. Um, and sometimes that level, you know, it, it can differ. So sometimes it's intellectual. It's, um, I really like the way that they think or the way that they write, um, the way that they approach their work, um, or think about their work. Um, sometimes it's, you know, sort of a experiential level, like maybe we've had similar experiences, um, and we connect over that, um, or just a heart level connection. So um, we are kind of framing this conversation in relation to sort of graduate school. And I might even broaden that to be, you know, even like your work, wherever that is. Um, and so kind of more professional academic settings. And so, you know, I think the, the piece a lot of times for me in those settings has been at the intellectual level. Um, where I'm sitting in class with someone, or I'm reading a particular book, um, or I'm talking with someone about the work that we're doing. And I just really connect with the way that they're approaching it and thinking about it. And so it's a really kind of deep connection. Um, But no matter you know, around whatever it is that we connect, um, it's at a deeper, more meaningful level for me. And I, and I've come to this place where I can really recognize that within myself, like internally of like, Oh, I'm having like a connection moment here. Um, and I, and I'm saying I'm having that connection moment. I don't always know if the other person is having that connection moment, but I know that I am. Um, and, and I want to put, um, out here too, as well. Um, that This is obviously a conversation between Christina and I, um, but I kind of want to approach this um, as if our listeners are kind of in this conversation with us. So I, I want to um, pose some questions to, to you all um, and ask that whenever you find this episode, that maybe you will message us or, you know... Uh, um, throw something out there in a thread on Twitter when we post the episode of, have you ever had that kind of a connection that we're talking about here? Um, and so I'm curious, you know, I think we would love to hear from you about those kinds of connections that you've had and, and how you've cultivated those. And, and that's kind of some of the things that we'll we'll talk about as we go on.
1: And I think that's really important for people to start sharing how they have found their people, because I think for introverts, particularly, I'm an introvert. Um, the way the world has changed since March 2020 has been even more confusing, I think, for us. Um, learning how to navigate the social world that we had is exhausting for an introvert. And then when it all changed, how you reach out to people, what it means if someone doesn't answer an email, means something quite different now. And how you navigate Zoom and making connections with people is a whole different skill set. And I think for people who describe themselves as people, people, they, they have a different skill set to be able to pivot like that. And I think a lot of introverts have been left behind in a way. I think there's a lot of loneliness going on and a lot of hesitancy to try to reach out in new ways, which I, uh, I empathize. I, I get that. Um, as as things contracted, um, in some ways, as an introvert, it feels really comfortable. Like, oh, I can stay home and and read my books and be with my pet and drink lots of hot chocolate. And those are some of my favorite ways to recharge, anyway. But how you get back in connection with people gets really challenging. And if you've just started a new uh, training program or a new uh, educational program or a new job trying to uh, find your people virtually adds a whole nother level of challenge. So one of the things I'm wondering about you, Dean is when you've had your connections, what sparked it, what qualities specifically are like present for you in that connection where you say, this isn't a one and done. Cause we've all had those lovely one and done where we've just had an amazing conversation with someone or, um, really enjoyed being around someone, but we have that sense that for a variety of reasons that, that, that was a one and done. So what qualities do you look for to pursue a continued connection? Hmm.
0: Um, I think for me, um, especially that idea of like the continued connection, and, and I'll probably talk a bit about, I'll, I'll get to kind of one and dones and then how it, how some of these have developed for me over time. Um, And morphed. But um, I think at its base level, what I'm the quality that I'm looking for, or the piece that has to be there for me, is that I feel safe to share my truth, Um, that I feel safe to share some part of. My self, my authentic experience, and my authentic self, um, either my whole self or some part of myself, depending on the relationship in this scenario and how and where we're meeting and that sort of thing. Um, and so when I say safe there, I, I kind of want to unpack that a bit. Um you know, I, I think of healthy relationship dynamics when I say safe. So mutual respect, um understanding appropriate boundaries, uh, you know that there's open and candid communication like all of those pieces sort of, you know, seem like, you know, and these are things that develop over time, but that in a moment, if I'm having a connection, I'm having a, a really meaningful conversation with someone and, and we've all done that before where you're kind of talking with someone and then things just start to kind of come out. Um, I, I've found myself in even professional settings before where I've said, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm, like, talking to you about this. Like, I shouldn't be saying these things to you. Like, and I'm just sharing my very honest and authentic thoughts, um, which, you know, maybe would not have been, like, the preferable ideal you know way to do it in that moment to kind of sort of play the game that we often have to play um and I, this other person really responded really well and they and that was what endeared them to me <laughs> they were like no i i because you shared this like i feel like i could work with you i feel like we could have you know like we could we we're, we're connecting like he could see that i was kind of going beyond the performance of what was supposed to be done in that moment to sharing an authentic uh, feeling and thought and experience with him and so Um, sometimes those are things that you just can judge in the moment of like, um, you know, I think this is safe. And sometimes I, it's going out on a limb. I mean, entirely going out on a limb, like I could be shooting myself in the foot here and that very may well happen. Um, you know, and, and I've come to, and I will say on that, I've come to this place at this point in my life and my career that I've, and I, uh, some of my friends and I talk about this of, if there are those moments where you, where you show up and you, um, speak authentically. Um, and it may not be the performative thing you're supposed to do. Um, and, you know, and someone reacts really badly or judges you in a really like harsh way. And again, you're, you know, it's appropriate, but it's just maybe, you know, maybe not something you would typically say, you know, you realize, I don't know that I would want to, you know, be friends with that person or work with that person or, you know, whatever that may be. Um, anyway. And so sometimes, you know, that's, that's there too. Like realizing like if I'm really going to do quality work with someone that has to be there, they have to be willing to kind of, you know, accept that this is who I am and, and go to those places with me, if that makes sense. And if not, then, you know, there's greener pastures out there kind of thing. Um, so I think for me, it's that it's that safety piece, that trust that when I am showing up authentically, that's being responded to in an authentic way. Um, I, so I've I've come to that place where that's important for me, and that's when I know, like, okay, we're having a human connection, right? Which is me sharing authentically um, and showing up authentically, and, and and that person doing the same. Um, I think too, if I trust the person in a number of ways, um, and and again, some of this happens over time. Um, you know that I trust um, their approach to the work or their research, so or that I trust them to see me and life through. Um, kind of an and both, and not an either or um, lens. And that's especially that's become especially important to me in the last number of years, um, in relation to my various identities and life roles. Um so this is that part is really important to me as a cisgender woman and mother in the academy and in professional settings, so that, um, you know, when I say certain things um, from that place, I'm not being dismissed or judged or seen as a trope or, you know, whatever negative way that that can be interpreted. And again, you run the risk sometimes if you do show up in that way and, and name those things that that could happen. Um, and sometimes it's not safe to do that. And, and that's part of kind of reading a situation and reading a relationship too. Um, and, uh, so, so that's real and that's part of it too. And I don't want to discount that at all, but, um, I think for me, I will say that I have always just kind of, uh, been a very, um, out there person, like in the sense that I just, I just am who I am and I speak my truth and I show up authentically and, um, I, I am not a very guarded person generally. And so sometimes that I think people respond to that and not to say that that times that has, that doesn't backfire, although I've been pretty fortunate in my Career and in my time, especially in graduate school, and I've had some of my mentors um, from graduate school on the show, um, where I, you know, I did not experience um, bias, and I didn't experience, um, you know, any negative repercussions for for showing up authentically. So, for instance, I'll I'll share that I I did have my son in the middle of my doc program, Uh, well, not quite in the middle. I had my son at the end of my doc program. I. Um, had him at the, after the year I was, I was pregnant with him the year that I was doing my field work. And intentionally I planned it that way. Um, so I did have him in the middle of the writing of my dissertation. And I, you know, am fortunate that I that I did not experience any backlash from that at all. Um, my advisors were all very supportive and still gave me, you know, all of their, you know, support and time and, you know, all those things. And so, and I felt very embraced and well, I will say that my committee was made up of all those gender women. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, speaking from a grad school perspective and, and all that, like I realized that that is not everyone's situation and that is not the case for everyone. And so you have to kind of navigate that. Um, but for me personally, I think as I've thought about this more, I tend to just be someone who shows up pretty like, this is who I am. (laughs) Um, And not to say that's always like the best thing, but that that's, I'm just an unguarded person. And so uh, that gets even more unguarded if I feel remotely like we're connecting. Then I just kind of like here I am, and who this is who I am, and here's what I think, and you know, and I think that does invite other people into that space with me. Of I'm I'm being authentic with you, and I think people feel that sense of wanting to be authentic with me. Um, if that makes sense,
1: I think it's an important important point to bring up because it can be counter to the message that we get the minute we arrive as uh, grad students. The whole process that we go through to get accepted to college or to get accepted to grad school or to get accepted to our postdoc or to get accepted to our professorship is almost what we're asked to leave behind the minute we start that. Um, And instead we feel, whether rightly or wrongly, we feel a lot of messages coming in that there's a Almost a uniform that the way that we present ourselves needs to really match this sort of academic idea. And in, in some ways, that makes sense. Every job has that, has a, a dress code, has a terminology, has hours that you have to be there. Um, but for many of us, we put that on over who we are and who we are gets hidden fairly well behind that. And the more ironically that we can find those safe spaces and those people who can be authentic with us in a way that stays safe for them, the more we can cultivate those connections. It's almost, it almost feels like an anathema of how the system is set up. And yet we as humans need to find other humans we can work with. We cannot do academia alone we can't do the projects that we need to do without relying on the expertise and the support of others around us i know when you and i talked about launching this channel and for listeners they can go back to episode 1 and listen to how we we dana and i met virtually and, and us uh, began planning this whole channel we did connect we had that initial connection and then over the time, ta- over the time of weeks and and then months, we it held and it built. But one of the key things we needed for this particular project was to find out each other's work work ethic and each other's goals, because much as we had a connection and we found common values and respect for each other, if we weren't going to match up. On those two key things, this project was going to be the end of our connection, instead of the deepening of it. And then, I, and and what that means is, then we should have used our connection to go in a different way: write an article together, or present a conf, at a conference together, or uh, network future job and ideas together, or something. But not this project. And so, I think that's another key piece for me: is when you're making the connection with people is honoring it for what it is, but for the place that you want them to be your people in your life, whether it's, I, I like this person and I want them to be my friend or in my cohort or in my critique group or my mentor, it's making sure that, that they will be the right match for where you're trying to slot them into your life. Have you found that?
0: Yes. No, I, I totally agree. And I think um, you know, going back to the example of you and I, um, we did, we connected um, off air after you interviewed me and we had a lovely conversation. And, and I, I think too, um, so we had that connection and then we had these ideas and then we kind of, you know, connected and, and that conversation spurred. And so these ideas that we had, right. Of doing this thing and doing this. And, and, and I remember thinking and and I even just talked to my partner about this, my husband about this, of of just like if I do this venture with this, you know, with this person, um, it's like group work. I hated group work <laughs> in college because my work ethic is pretty high. And I have a certain way and a, a process. Everybody knows I talk about process all the time. I know my process and I know what that looks like. Um but you know when you partner up with someone else um in group work or something, then you you know your process is affected by them and their work ethic and their process. And so um, I remember thinking about this and thinking, you know, just even based on the interview we had and, and talking to you, like I, I knew I was like, I think this will work. I think we're, I think we're equally matched in terms of our work ethic and our commitment, um, and the way that we do things and the way that we think about things. So, you know, yes, I think those connections, those, those pieces have to be there and you have to kind of match it up in terms of what, role you, like you said, that you're asking this person to be, um, or, or to fill like what, you know, um, and, and I will say on that, that it changes over time. Like it has, it can change over time. And for me at this point, you know, I have some of like my quote unquote people who are in my very inner circle, um, personally started out as, um, professional, like academic and professional relationships for me, Um, And one in particular, the friend and colleague who I talk about this with, um, we present on this in the context primarily of our relationship as we kind of talk through and, you know, we use our relationship as a jumping off point for this larger theoretical conversation about, um, you know, finding connections in the work and how that makes you do better work and all that Um, but he began, we met in, um, you know, grad school, we met in a class together. And so we were equals at that point in class together. And then we got to the place where we started working together and in the same department. And, um, you know, so I think, and, and that served us well. So we, you know, he was a thinking partner for me from the beginning because we were in the same uh, doc program and, and we were doing the same methodologies and we were in the same methodology courses and things like that. And so, and then we were doing this similar work in the same department. And, um, and so he became a thinking partner for me. And so the, you know, that kind of spanned different roles. And then over time, you know, that morphed and that changed. And, um, and then it kind of started to fill some other spaces too. And so I think when you, when you do find your people, Um, you know, sometimes, I mean, just like any relationship, you know, sometimes they stay kind of in that lane. They stay in their lane, right? They kind of stay an academic mentor or they stay whatever that is, a friend, um, you know, and they may support you in other areas, but that's kind of their main lane. And then sometimes, you know, their lanes change um, and their role in your life changes or morphs or expands. Um, So for this particular friend, you know, uh, Once we didn't have the affiliation of institutional affiliation together anymore and I wasn't seeing him on a regular basis because I moved and then we still continued to work together and then we would find ways to work together and to present together and to do things together because we still wanted to work together even though we weren't connected to the same institution anymore and then from there it morphed now this is someone i've known for like 15 years so this is this is quite a, a span of time that this has morphed then you know it kind of transcends that into you realize i just kind of like i like talking with you with you about the work but i like talking with you about life too and i want to talk to you about other things um and so i i think it can be a lot of different things i think it can be You know, they fulfill like a certain space in your life and they may stay in that. Um, And then sometimes it may change into other things. And that's the beauty of the longevity of finding your people and also the beauty of certain relationships. Some relationships, and I've heard you say this, you know, they serve us for a time or they're with us for a time. They're meant to journey along with us in a certain specific amount of time or space or place in our life. And then we don't always take them beyond that. Um, And, other relationships, you know, they can morph, um, and they ha- have that longevity, um, in your life. And, and, um, and I think that's exciting too. And so every relationship is kind of different in that way. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. I kind of got off on a tangent on that, but, um,
1: no, oh, I think it, it does answer it. And I think what we keep coming back to is that finding your people, whether the person that you are looking to find is more of a mentor or more of a cohort, member or you're forming a a study group or a critique group, the core pieces of what makes a relationship work are the same in every single category. It comes back to what you were saying before about mutual respect, understanding appropriate boundaries, the ability to be candid in a way that is safe and appropriate for both of you. There's a a great technique that I learned when when you have something difficult to share, to say to the person, I have something difficult. I I need a person to talk to you. Are you you able to to receive that right now? Hmm. Um, Rather than sort of just dumping (laughs) uh, on the person um, who who would like to be there for you, but but doesn't have space for you at that moment. Um, And so those ways of really using relationship skills, they transcend whether uh, it's that you're an employee or you are the mentor, um, that those core pieces of respecting the humanity and dignity of every person that you're dealing with. And if the person is not doing that back, those are some really big red flags that this is or will become toxic for one or both of you down the road. Mm -hmm. And so I was listening to what you said about you know, when you made your, your friend in school, and one of the things is that you felt like you were equals because you were on the same sort of level ground. How has it worked for you when you've wanted to reach out to someone whose work you've really respected? So you are equals, you're both worthy human beings, but they've got this publication that you're just fangirling about. And so you feel that power imbalance. And when you reach out, do you have um, some examples of how you've uh, started finding people who were further ahead in the, in the journey than you?
0: Yes, and I, I think I know what you're referring to here because we've we've talked about this. So I, I think for me too, I'll, I'll talk about this as um, that it changes over time. Um, so when you think about having these connections, um, what do you do with it, and how do you cultivate it? Is I think an a, important thing to think about, and and there are diff- sometimes power dynamics. There's different or power dynamics and or in. You know, um, just maybe you're not, you know, you may not consider yourself equal. Like maybe, you know, you're a younger, um, academic, um, and, and maybe somebody else is, is an older. So, so within the context of, um, you know, that, that space of, of like a more senior scholar and, and someone starting out, I'll use the example of, of Donna Freitas. Um, and so I've had Donna on, she was like, I think one of my first interviews, um, for the channel. And, um, and I will say this now that Donna and I now are, we are friends and, um, and we meet and we talk and and it's lovely. But I will say that I was introduced to Donna as a graduate student. I used her her one of her earlier uh, studies and books as as one of my main um, texts and and hers and another one that I really studied intensely um, as far as um, how I developed my methodology for my study because we study very similar things. And, and so I, I, you know, used her work and I was a fan of hers for a long time. And she's one, I will say, this is an example of someone I connected with, but just by reading their books, I was like, oh, you know, you feel like when you, when you read someone's books sometimes and you, it's, it's, you, and you're connecting with their ideas and the way that they approach it and what they're studying all those things, you just like, you get so excited, you know, right. We're like nerdy academics. This is like, I was like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to study. She's studying what I want to study. Um, And funny enough, I will say like one of her other, her later books is, is is something that I remember saying to a colleague very early on in my career, like someone should study this. And then she did, um, her happiness effect book (laughs) is essentially that looking at social media. Um, and anyway, and so I just feel like we connect that way. Like we connect intellectually. I connected with her and her research through her books, um, early on and, and all throughout my graduate work. And I remember at one point when I was writing my dissertation thinking, maybe I should reach out or I didn't know her at all. Maybe I should reach out to her. And then I was like, no, no, Dana, I can't do that. Um, like you know, because I was just a grad student and I was just using her work. And I did drive. I remember she was speaking um, at a university like three hours from my university, and so I drove three hours to go to her talk and have her sign my book. And I still have that copy of of the book, and and that was just so thrilling for me because I was in the throes of my research and in the throes of my work and and using hers as a as a framework. And um and I felt like it was somebody like when I read her stuff, I felt like I was having conversations with someone who did you know, what I like, what I was doing. Um, because even with your committee, a lot of times, maybe not for everybody, but for me, I mean, they were highly interested in what I did, but they were not scholars of that particular, you know, area in quite the same way that she was. And so you don't always get to talk to people who study very closely what you study. And so fast forward years later, she ended up, and I think I talk about this in the interview with her, she was a a blind reviewer, um, which she didn't make it blind. She put her name on my review of my book when I was publishing it. And we ended up connecting that way. And we ended up having a conversation and all this. And I remember when one of our first lunches together, I said, I told her that like, I thought about reaching out to her when I was in grad. She's like, Oh, I wish you would have. And now being where I am, I realize like if somebody read my book, I would, and they were in grad, like I love when people reach out, I would love for someone to reach out. And if they're studying similar things, because there's not a lot of people who always write on the same things. And and obviously, you have some level of a connection if you're interested in the same um, academic areas and and doing the same kinds of research. And so, I attribute that to imposter syndrome, like I really do. I think that there is some piece of that idea of like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not worthy enough. Like they, they wouldn't want to hear from me, or you know, they're so busy and they're this great scholar, and I'm just like, you know, just a grad student. And I'm not going to email them. But um, I would encourage people if you're thinking that reach out. Like the worst that could happen is they just like don't respond, but, you know, put it out there. Um, I have found that most people are really, really gracious and would love, especially with students and would, you know, really enjoy having a conversation or just even an email exchange about the work. Um, And so that's kind of an example from my own life of realizing like who I was, you know, however many years ago. Um, And, you know, and thinking about, all of these questions, I remember having all these questions and things that like, you know, somebody like Donna would really be helpful thinking partner through those things. And to think that maybe I should have just emailed her and I could have had, you know, we could have had a really lively, wonderful conversation about, you know, methodological decisions or, you know, different ways I was thinking about different ideas or whatever. Um, but I didn't. And so like, maybe what I missed out on, um, but luckily, you know, we, we were able to connect later and, and have that, have that great relationship. Um, and i do consider her one of my people and and a thinking partner that if i want to explore ideas i know i can reach out um and and so I, I don't know if that helps but i think that that's you know that's a, an example from my own life of how i kind of let i think imposter syndrome affect my and um my my reaching out um and i don't do that anymore i will say
1: and that's one thing that you've mentioned has changed for you at this stage in your life that you just make a really straightforward ask. You say to somebody, I I feel like I've connected really well with you. I'd like to stay in touch. Um, can you talk about what shifted in you and how you feel inside when you do that? Because as an introvert, I'm, I'm always l- learning from other people's <laughs> social skills. So teach us, Dr. Dana, teach us. Um,
0: Well, like I said, I, I, for myself, what shifted is I go back to that example in my head a lot. I go back to that because I remember multiple times, um, in, in when I was doing the, when I was writing the dissertation, when I was writing my dissertation and in the throes of the research. And then even later when I was editing, um, that work into the book, um, it's a very lonely process, um, especially doing the book, because you no longer have a committee of people who are like, you know, behold, you know who are supposed to respond to your questions or anything like that. And so writing can be um, very lonely and and there's only, like I said, oftentimes a, a select few people who will really get what you're doing at the level you're doing it because you're so into like a specific area that you're researching. And so I go back to that example in my head a lot, um, and I use that as like, you know, okay, like, you know, you, you miss an opportunity there. Don't miss one here. And, and I go back to that place of like, what do I have to lose except, you know, that they just don't respond. Um, and so I do, I've, I've learned to put myself out there in a different way now than I used to. Um, and so what I do is, you know, if I feel like I've had some conversations and some connections, and especially if it's a couple, like if I've had a couple conversations, um, you know, maybe more than the one-off kind of thing. Um, I've learned to like, I've come to the place where I've just, I've started naming it. Like if we have an opportunity to, um, connect again, um, I, I will just put it out there very casually. I'll just say, I just want to, you know, share that I, I, I feel really, you know, I really respect your work or I, we've, I've really enjoyed our conversations about X, whatever it is like about the research or about the work or, Um, and I feel like, you know, there's a bit of a connection there point there for me. Um, so I just wanted to name that and just let you know that I would love to stay in in contact and in connection. Um, you know, that sort of thing. So I just, I do, I put it out there, Um, and then see, and, and depending on the level of the connection and the nature of the connection, um, I did this recently. I will say I did this in the last six months with someone that I connected with and I connected with them from the podcast and their work. And I just really appreciated the work and the way they approached the work And, um, I felt like they could be a good thinking partner for me. Um, and as an independent scholar, I'll be really honest and vulnerable here and say like, that's, you know, I don't, I don't have a department of people that I go in and see every day and I get to talk about this kind of stuff with. Um, and so I see this as I have to develop my, my network of, of my people, um, my network of thinking partners in other ways. Um, and so, I reached out to someone, um, well, as we were corresponding, I did, I just named the connection and I said, I would love, you know, love to can- consider you a thinking partner if you don't mind, you know, as, as projects come and as things go, I'd love to stay connected. And and I consider you kind of like a, you know, I think we would be good thinking partners or something like that. I mean, I don't know exactly how I worded it, but I named the connection and I state my intention of desiring to stay in connection with them moving forward. Um, you know, and time, you know, it might be that, you know, months go by and we don't talk. Um, in this particular situation, they ended up using my book in their class. And I did a, you know, I did a, like a guest spot in their class, which they were super grateful for. And I had a great time doing it. Um, and so you just never know where they're going to, what will um, develop from that, I guess. And so that's what I've kind of started doing. <laughs> I just put it out there.
1: I like I like the term thinking partner. I was listening to your example of how you reached out to uh, this scholar and it was a great connection and you wish that you had done it um, when you were a grad student. And I was thinking back to two people who were really big names in in my uh, area of research and neither one of them uh, were uh, able to give me any time. And that was really difficult. and of course, when you make an ask, it's not a demand and it's not an expectation. It's an ask. This is what I'm working on. This is what I'm researching. I really admire your work. Would you be able to do a phone call or could we talk? And, uh, you know, in both of those cases, it was a it was a no. But where I lived at the time, I met someone who was turn, really excited about my research, even though I was... Night and day from what she writes about, and was an amazing thinking partner. And she invited me out to coffee, and it turned into a bunch of lunches. And um, she's the uh, episode right before this one for listeners if they want to find it, Nancy Thayer. Um, and it, it it was an unexpected introduction. It was an unexpected connection, and she was exactly what I what I needed. Um, as she's become one of my people, and was a was a fantastic thinking partner for me. Um, and it's, it's an interesting way of how we find our people, because someone in our field, particularly if we're in a, in a contracted field, not many people are doing it. They actually don't have time for you. They are so, um, in demand and so, uh, overscheduled already that they, they really can't, uh, respond to a grad student who's not directly in their program or at their school or, uh, someone who's not one of their colleagues. They just don't have the capacity. Um. And so finding your thinking partners can be like, an. for me, it's always a wonderful thing when it happens. But that was an example of, and I love that you just gave it a term, um, to find someone who is your people, who you respond to really well, who you're intellectually very well matched and very well suited. And in some cases, you actually work in different areas. Do you have any uh, people who are your people who maybe work in a companion field? Um,
0: yes, I think I do. I think I do. So, and this is, would be another situation that started years and years ago in a very different capacity. Um, this person is also in my inner circle personally, like one of my very dearest friends, most trusted friends. And we started out, you know, where she was a student of mine <laughs> when I was working in, in higher ed. And so obviously at the time, that was a very different relationship. And I was sort of a mentor to her um, for the first many years of our relationship um, because of that dynamic. And then as time went on, and this relationship has spanned probably 15 years as well, um, you know, as that, as that relationship continued, and we stayed in contact, um, you know, and they, and you know, she graduated and went on to grad school and all this sort of stuff, and you know, ended up having you know her kids and all this sort of stuff. But we had then similar life experiences, and we always stayed in contact. And then it kind of morphed into more of like, I'm not really your mentor anymore; we're just kind of friends. Um, and you know, as that morphed, and and you know, she's and she's in um, finishing up her doc work now in a, in a different field, but um, in social work, and. Uh, But we talk about similar things and we're interested in similar topics um, related to sexuality and things like that. And we've talked about different ways and different projects we could, you know, collaborate on and things like that. Um, And and we share the academic space because, you know, she's, again, finishing up her, her doc work at a very... Um, competitive program and um, and is getting on the job market and all that. So we share the academic side. We share lots of life experiences together and life roles, and we have like a shared history at different institutions that have been formative in different ways in our lives. And so, um, so that's kind of been a neat connection as well. Um, and and that's where you know you get at this idea of like transcending, you know, the spaces and kind of preset boxes and, and as people, you know, relationships morph and they can be, they blur, the lines are blurry. So, you know, yes, we're friends, just like my colleague, like he and I do a lot of presenting together and a lot of work. And he's like kind of all over my CV too, in terms of presentations over the years, because we do a lot of thinking work together, but he's also a really good friend and, um, and has been for years and, and a friend of my family. And, um, and so, you know, those, those lines blur, um, in, in different ways. And, and I think that's really neat. And it adds, it adds a richness, I think. And, 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 you know, hearing that perspective, of of someone who has like, you know, they kind of get your world in a way, but then they have, they ca- they're they coming at it from a different, a different place. Um, like my friend, for instance, she's, she, you know, ca- has done some qualitative work, but she's pretty much, you know, a qual, a quantitative researcher. And so, you know that's really fun to be able to kind of talk about how we would do some projects and you know, um, you know how that would look for her from the quantitative perspective and what that would mean for me from a qualitative perspective and um, and how we can you know meld worlds together and, and think about attack uh, tackling you know certain uh, questions and, and projects that way. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it, that's that's what came to mind for me.
1: Yeah, that's a great answer because we're talking about um, interdisciplinary connections that we can make with people. You're in one field, I'm in another, but our conversations that we have together, because we are great intellectual thought partners, makes both of us better at our respective fields. We we come away with a new way of looking at something. We've it's it's sparked a lot of new ideas for us that continuing to have conversations with people in our own field is valuable. But it continues to, in many ways, reinforce a particular uh, way of thinking. So when we're talking about making connections and finding your people, one of the things that comes up again and again, uh, particularly for students and for new faculty, is needing to find mentors. So are your mentors your people in your mind, Dana, or are they a different category?
0: Um, you know, I've thought about this question a lot because <laughs> we, because we've been, we've been. Um batting this question around, I think between the two of us. And so this is, I, am um, I like this question cause it's not something I really had thought too much about before, but I have been giving it some thought. So I think at this point, and I will say this with a caveat that, um, you know, this is today as we're recording, but I reserve the right that I may change my mind or my perspective will likely change. Um, but as I've been pondering this question, um, I think that not, you know, that they can be both, that it's not necessarily one or the other. Um, And so for me, my people, I I kind of think of it as sort of this umbrella term uh, for those people with whom I connect at a deeper level, like I shared earlier, right? So we have some level of that connection. Um, And so sometimes they're mentors. Um, And I think for me, and that depends on the role and how we met and, and what that relationship has continued to look like. Um, but for me to truly consider them a mentor, I think that I, they would need to be one of my people. I would need to consider them on some level, one of my people in the sense that that safety is there for me to, to kind of show up authentically, um, for me to feel like they're a mentor. Uh, because otherwise I think if it wasn't, I would maybe just think of them as like a helpful colleague or advisor, but a mentor to me has a bit more of a personal, um, nature to it and a personal connection. Um, and, and for me to truly consider someone a mentor, that means I need to feel safe in that space to really share my questions and my questioning and my concerns or my fears or my hesitancies or whatever that is. Um, and my doubts or my uncertainties, um, because I maybe don't know because I'm navigating, um, and, and, uh, Claire and Zetti and I talked about this in the mentoring episode, like you're navigating areas that you, you know, haven't waters you haven't been in before. And so that's the, you know, mentors help you do that. They help you navigate that because they have been there. They have done this before. And so it's, you know, in a mentor relationship it has, it needs to be okay to say, I don't know. Can you, can you guide me here? Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what my questions are. Um, and I found that for myself that I will, um, and, and in relationship with with Claire and others, my, my dissertation advisor was a wonderful mentor to me and, and still is. I am still in contact with her. I could email her at, you know, anytime and like, hey, this is what I'm doing um, with questions um, because there have been times where I'm thinking like, this is what I think I'm supposed to be doing or this is what I think needs to happen here, but I'm really not sure of what the standard is or what the standard mode of operation is because I haven't navigated this before. Can you help me like make sure I'm not making a fool of myself kind of thing. Right. Um, and so to be a true mentor to, for me, I need to feel safe to be able to ask those questions, um, without, um, fear that my, um, intellectual, um, ability or my competency or anything would be in question, um, about asking those questions or, about naming my other life roles or my other life choices. Um, And so I mentioned some of this about my grad school experience and becoming a mother, because that's real. That's, that's really real. And there's a lot of bias and a lot of um, you know uh, just, yeah, there's a lot of issues around that for a lot of people and people experience a lot of uh, women experience, a lot of, um, Bias uh, uh, against being, you know, as as a mom in the as a mom in the academy, and so for me, I was very fortunate in that I didn't I didn't have that in graduate school, and I still had that support, and so those mentors from graduate school for me, I do consider them mentors because I was able to and still am able to be authentic uh, with them about who I am and the choices I'm making and where I plan to go and what my goals are and all that sort of thing. So. Um, for me to be a mentor, I think they need to be one of my people in that way, in that safe space, trusted space kind of a way. Otherwise, I would like, like I said earlier, just kind of consider them like sort of an advisor, um, and maybe not somebody that I would kind of hold at that same in that same umbrella term of my people. And I'll say this last thing about the blurring of the lines because I've talked with um, my friend and colleague about this um, recently too, as we're doing presentations and, and thinking about this. Um, And then even in preparation for this episode and thinking about this question of, of, are they different than mentors? And I think, um, they can be all like, like one person can fill that. Like when I think about him, you know, he's an upper level administrator and he's very successful in his career and, and he's an amazing, amazing administrator. Um, and so in a lot of ways, sometimes he's a mentor for me in that way, um, even though we're intellectual equals and, and though we're friends and all these other things, like there are certain areas where he has just um, a lot more experience and or different experience and expertise. And so I, I would go to him like a mentor and ask these questions to, to him. And we were talking about this um, in the last few weeks. And he said the same thing. He's like, I consider you a mentor in other ways, Dana, when I think about your process or I think about how you approach things as a researcher. And, um, you know, so I think that those lines can be blurred. Um, And so I think for me, uh, a mentor a true mentor in that definition for myself would be like one of my people versus just kind of maybe an advisor that I go to occasionally.
1: And I think that comes back to some of the early foundational things that you laid out for us when we're looking for our people. It's that mutual respect and how much vulnerability you can have. So when you're talking about the difference between an advisor and a mentor, you've mentioned that with your mentor, you have to be your full self. Um, With your advisor There's someone who you're going to perhaps keep it on what we consider a quote unquote professional level. You're going to ask them specific questions, but it's not really um, a time for you to be candid about uh, some of the more difficult pitfalls that you that you have. And we've also talked about things that transcend outside of the original environment where you met them, where they they become a friend as well. I was thinking about that episode that you just referenced, the, the one about mentors. And she said, uh, It is important to ask, does this person have my best interest at heart? Mm-hmm. And I wrote that down when I listened to your episode. I wrote that down because I think that is such an important thing for us to come back to again and again in this world where we're trying to figure out what advice to take and who to turn to and how to cultivate a healthy relationship, Is always coming back to, does this person have my best interest at heart? And then I think there's a second question. They may believe that they do, but the level to which we can be candid and honest with them will affect Mm -hmm. how well they're able to determine that. And coming back to, do I have my best interest at heart? Which I think for two female co-hosts talking right now um, is an important piece for us to talk about when when we're saying about finding our people. So often... We're told to put that in in a on a back burner, our own best interest. Um, when we're looking for our people, when we're building our our social and emotional network, giving ourselves permission uh, to have our own best interest at heart, I think is so important. I spoke with a guest recently about um, time management. She's an expert in uh, time management, and she said that we are more likely to break a commitment to ourself than we are to anyone else. Hmm. How have you found in building your networks in making your connections that you navigate that about, do I have my best interest at heart and how much am I breaking my promise to myself or putting aside essentials like sleep or uh, exercise or things that I need to do? How are you, Getting better at navigating that.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, I think um,
0: I'll be honest. That's um, it's that's to say this. I've I've always had a pretty strong sense of self. Um, I'm just gonna put that out there and say that I I have, um, which is why I think I've been able to navigate very different cultural worlds that I have been in. And I've talked about this on other episodes um, in, you know, my college experience and, um, you know, attending some institutions that were not necessarily the best match for me in a lot of ways and were culturally very different from what I was used to or comfortable with. Um, And so I've always – and so I think I was able to – to successfully do that, to still like navigate those, those places and spaces, um, because I have a very strong sense of myself and who I am and what I think. Um, and, and so that, um, you know, that kind of just is, is a part of the way I operate in the world. Not to say I haven't gotten better at that. I, I have, and I'd say I don't have insecurities because everybody does. Um, and, and so I, I'm pretty good at like, I just, am kind of, you know, I've been able to keep those commitments to myself. And I think um, finding people who understand where um, who are you're able to share where those insecurities are or where those places are that you're not so great at keeping. So like some of those boundaries like sleep and exercise, you know whatever those those keeping yourself healthy. Um, I'm really good at sometimes there's some places like mentally where I'm like not so good at right like I like like I'm like okay I don't need to go there in my head Dana I don't need to do that and so again that comes back to that space of is this someone that I can share with and do they can they support me in that way to help me like I I had a situation happen recently and one of my friends said Dana don't go to a dark place I know that might be really tempting for you to go to a dark place with this but don't um and so you know um we're all, I think, trying to get better at that and trying to, uh, prioritize ourselves, um, hopefully, and, and try to, to honor ourselves as much as we honor our commitments to others. And I think finding people who help you in that effort and encourage you in that effort is, is also part of finding, finding your people, like you said, people who do, they have your best interests at heart. And I, I just want to say this one thing too. It came up for me as, as we were talking, um, and or I thought about it, it, it relates to a conversation I had with someone about this idea of safety and about finding that that safe space with people. Um, and one of my friends said to me, and this is a cisgender um, male, uh, heterosexual, and, and one of my very best friends. And so, you know, things can get complicated and blurry when, you know, you're crossing some of those gendered lines as well. Um, and when we talk about this, you know, in front of colleagues in the field and stuff, you know, uh, you know the idea of coming uh, of saying you know i i don't know whatever caused you you know to be able to 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 feel safe or to be able to to feel that you can you know go to those places with me authentically um because you know this is like like as we're talking about this this is a relationship like any of these are relationships and you you know you don't just come out of the gate with all these things this this develops a little bit over time and and so i think it's you know, important for people to think about. And this ties into what you're asking me about about that self-care of how what are those um telling factors for you in for each person to answer that question for themselves. What what is it about this other person that's telling me or that's showing me that I can be authentic or that I can show up in this way and that it's safe to do that? And so um that's part of I think that boundary setting for yourself of knowing what is. Okay to share and what is not in certain relationships and certain contexts and certain situations because there are definitely um, relationships and and institutional spaces and cultures and area and departments and and you know whatever what have you that are not safe they're not safe for you to show up and and to to um, talk about certain parts of your life or yourself um, without some repercussion negative repercussion and so I think part of that self care is figuring out um, how do you determine that in a relationship? What are the telling factors for you um, and paying attention to those things? And I know what they are for me in certain in certain relationships, in certain spaces. And um, when I do talk about this, you know, I say that, you know, sometimes and there are key markers for me in certain relationships um, moments we talk about this as moments that become meaning. So how someone shows up for me in a particular moment tells me a lot about who they are and what they think and how they operate in the world, right? Um, and so I use those as telling moments for me to know, okay, is that does that open up more space for me to 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 show up more authentically or is that closing a door to say mm, I don't think this is really gonna. a a safe space. So, um, I know I kind of like, uh, went a little bit off track on that question, but I think, you know, everyone all of, to sum that up, everyone has different areas that are easier for them and maybe not so easy for them to take care of themselves. And certain areas for me, I think have been easier. Um, and then other areas i know that i'm i'm still working on as we all are and so finding those people that can help you with those areas and maybe even be a model or a mentor for you in some of those areas or just a listening partner to help you navigate that a little bit better but i do agree like as you said it it has to start with a commitment to yourself that you're worth finding people to support you and you're worth you know keeping those commitments and you're and your um worth you know, having that support, um, cause everybody needs it. Um, and you do better work, um, as a result of that, when you feel supported and safe, you do better work. Um, and, uh, and so I just think it's really important. I hope this conversation helps people think about how they're going to cultivate that, what they can do, maybe areas of their life where they could try to show up a little bit more authentically if they feel like it's safe to do so. Um, so anyway, those are my thoughts.
1: I think those are really important thoughts and they keep coming back to this core foundation of of mutual respect. Whatever relationship that we're looking for, whatever advice that we're looking for, whatever uh, role model or opportunity that we're looking for, uh, does this serve my best interest? I think is a a good uh, question to keep coming back to again and again. Does this have my best interest at heart? And I think Sometimes when we have to leave one opportunity and look for another, it's, it's often because it stops serving our best interest. And that's okay. And sometimes that's okay because we're uh, ever evolving, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't mean there's something wrong on the other end. It mm-hmm. means we've we've now reached a point where we need to do something different or, or make a, a pivot. Um, in the few minutes we have left, I want to ask you the final question I ask everybody, which is, what do you hope this conversation sparks?
0: Hmm. You would think I would have thought about that, since I know that's a <laughs> question we usually end on. Um, I think I kind of alluded to it, though. I think that I hope, if nothing else, that this conversation helps people really think about finding those connections, because for me personally, they've been so life giving. And I think, um, based on my conversations with friends and colleagues in the field, and even at conferences with people that I'm just meeting. I feel like there's a lot of folks in the academy right now, um, in higher ed who are just, uh, really tired, They're <laughs> just really tired. And some are really burnt out and everybody's kind of, it's been a difficult few years. And so I think, um, the lifelines for, for me anyway, and for a lot of folks are those people having those connection points when maybe the work is getting really weary or maybe some relationships are very toxic in in certain situations or you're just tired with everything that's been, you know, transpiring in the world and how that's affected everyone in their own way, in their own corners of the world. Um, having that support, having those people where you can kind of take off the mask and the performance the performances and just be yourself um, in a supportive relationship is is really life-giving and really restorative. Um, and so I hope that this conversation helps people, um, to think about ways to do that, ways to expand their, um, circles, ways to think about it differently, maybe put themselves out there in a different way or try a new technique or just to encourage their, um, their heart in this area. Um, I hope it's at least that. So so those are some of my intentions for this conversation because I think at this moment where a lot of people are, it's just really needed.
1: I think those are a wonderful set of intentions and a great, a great place to lead this for today. Dr. Dana Malone, thank you so much for joining me on this adventure as my co-host and my co-producer on The Academic Life. And thank you to all our listeners who are on this journey with us. I'm Dr. Christina Gessler here with Dr. Dana Malone on The Academic Life on NewBooks Network, and we hope you will please join us again.